The following program is proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. As part of TuamFM's Road Safety in Focus series and in an effort to provide some sobering insight into some of the most common reasons behind road accidents and driving offences in New South Wales, I'm being joined by New South Wales Police Traffic Sergeant Mick Todd. Thank you so much for being here, Sergeant Todd. Oh, thanks for having me. Mick, based on what you've experienced and what is reported to you by other traffic officers, what are the most common breaches of road rules or driving offences that are encountered often by police officers on the traffic beat? Uh, generally in day-to-day situations, are parking offences, where there's a, there's a no-stopping sign or, or a bus zone, um, you can't park in those spots, and, and walking around the Bankstown CBD, we, we do see that quite often. And, and of course, speeding offences is a, is a major part of what we see every day as well. And as an estimate, what proportion of road-related driving incidents or offences can be attributed to lack of driver awareness or a language barrier, perhaps? I'll say about a third, and that relates to a lot of people don't know what to do. At times, a language barrier can be a problem, uh, especially when it comes to collisions. Yeah. Uh, and, and people can't communicate with each other. So it, it does become an issue at times. Mm-hmm. So misunderstanding road signage and... What yeah, the instructions yeah, mean. Um, uh, there, there are a lot of signs out there. Yes. Um, and often it can be confusing, uh, yeah. but yeah, it, it is um, important to be aware of the signs that are out there. Now, what crash types are more likely to result in serious injury or death based on the things that you've seen? The, the crashes that involve uh, speed or very high speed tend to lead to a lot of serious injuries. That, in addition with um, drug and alcohol affected drivers, people not wearing their seatbelts, a combination of those. Yeah. is often the, the case, um, which leads to serious injury or, or even death in, um, yeah. in serious crashes. Yeah. yeah, And head-on collisions are going to be the most fatal of the lot or the, the T-bones? A lot of the time, a yeah. Lot of the um, times. Like a, a high-impact collision yeah. has a lot of forces that lead to bad things happening. Mm. So possibly people like overtaking not the right way or overtaking by moving into oncoming traffic or something like that as well. So generally like an awareness of your, your surroundings and what other road users are doing yeah. at the time. There's always a combination of things that contribute to these things. Of course, yeah. Are there any groups which appear to be overrepresented in serious road accidents? Any particular age groups that you notice are more prone to these kind of accidents? Based on my experience, nothing in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a day-to-day thing that police yeah. deal with um, a whole different scale of motor vehicle crashes mm. and it's not specific to an age group or a gender. Mm. Um, it is a, a wide range of people involved in these things. Yeah. And, um, I couldn't say if there was one particular group or gender 
that contribute to that the highest amount. That stands out more than any other. Yeah. The reason I ask this question is just because there's a, a common perception among the community that perhaps younger drivers are more involved in some of the more serious crashes because they're more likely to speed or to you know engage in those kind of risky driving behaviours. So could the same be said about the patterns that we see in terms of driving offences? So are there any groups within the driver population who emerge as more likely to commit certain driving offences like speeding or... Again, based on my experience, um, the younger mm-hmm. people, especially when it comes to your speeding offences and not being aware of road signs, your, your more experienced drivers will tend to know the speeds, mm. know what the signs mean. Provisional drivers who are wanting to test their cars uh, yeah, out. <laughs> um, again, yeah, speaking from my experience, yeah. it, it tends to be that sort of 18 to 30 year age range. That's interesting. What kind of trauma or injuries do you see in the aftermath of serious road accidents? You obviously come from a background in traffic and you've seen a lot in your years as a traffic officer and now a sergeant. The um, obvious ones are the physical injuries that a driver suffers as a result of the crash. Um, It obviously stands out. At times can be quite confronting, especially if you're a young police officer and you you haven't seen something like that before. It is... uh, quite confronting. But there's not only that, it's the psychological aspects of it, especially to people that witness the crash happening or even the um, the relatives or family of someone affected or injured as yeah. a result of the crash because they, while not directly involved in the crash, they deal with the aftermath and the recovery in that sort of sense, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And for, you know, police officers who are you know, usually first on the scene, those scenes can be quite confronting. Like you said, a lot of people focus on just the physical damage that's been done, but there's a lot of psychological damage that, that can happen as well yeah, through that. Say that for the police attending as well, um, yeah. it's, it's not something you can just forget. Absolutely, so, yeah. especially when it's an accident involving young children. It's just terrible. Yeah. What are some of the common reasons or excuses people give for breaking the road rules? The big one that stands out is the, I didn't know. That's the most one given. Um, again, it's in relation to, say, yes, road signs, what the speed limit is, where a stop sign is, if you can make a, a certain turn. Mm. Um, that is the, the common reason given for any breaches of the road rules. All right. I know that this has sometimes happened to me where I've driven in an unfamiliar area And because I'm not familiar with the road system in that particular area or the signage or the speed limits, you find yourself, you know, really in some cases thinking, oh, is that the speed limit here? I didn't know that. So do you find that perhaps when people are out of their usual territory, they're more prone to, you know, come across things that they're more likely to break the rules with? You're exactly right. People used to an area, they drive the roads, they know the ways you can go. It is often the ones that don't come that way often and that's an excuse I don't come this way often Um, they probably never have come that way yeah so yeah that does play a part in the the breaches of the rules you're probably a bit more forgiving with people Um, who seem to be lost you do yeah (laughs) all right so what are some of the commonly misunderstood road rules which contribute to drivers riders or even pedestrians unintentionally breaking road rules some of the things that really throw people for a loop basically that they didn't even know it was a rule or thought it meant something else but it turns out it means this so are there any that really stand out to you If you do a U-turn at a set of traffic lights, it is an offence, while in some other states it may not be. So even if there's no sign stating that there's no U-turn allowed, it's still an offence? It is, yeah. Oh, wow. 
yeah, that would definitely rate right up there because I'm sure people assume that if there's no sign there, why are there signs on other places but not... Again, yeah, that's right. And, and you would stop someone for that. And the reason given is oh, I didn't know. And it's not a common um, law that's advertised yeah. or made aware of. Yeah. And something else, they may have come from a country where it is quite a legal move to do a U-turn at a set of traffic lights and they just carry that with them here thinking it's pretty much the same. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. And there are some differences between Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales. Um, again, you probably wouldn't know unless you got stopped by the police for that. You know, I agree. Everyone has their different rules and it is hard to comprehend sometimes. And it's... Um, we do have quite a bit of road rules too. Oh, quite a a long document. A long document. Now, what are the top three contributing factors in the majority of road accidents in New South Wales? I think you may have covered this already before. You mentioned a few, but I'm thinking if we were to narrow it down to kind of like the top three, what would they be? Speed, obviously I mentioned that before. Mm -hmm. Just play a big part in your serious and fatal collisions. Driver fatigue, that's a big one. People get up early for work, thinking they're okay, or they're driving during the night. Driver fatigue does play a big part. The third would be the, your drug or alcohol impaired drivers. Yeah. If I had to pick three, that's the three I would pick. So what are drivers legally required to do in the aftermath of a road accident? And does every road accident warrant police attendance? So the most important thing would be to stop. If you're involved in a crash, stop, pull over to the side of the road, somewhere where it's safe. You have to exchange details with all the other drivers involved. That is a, a legal requirement. Mm-hmm. Just to make it clear, you're only obliged to provide your name, your home address, and the registration of your vehicle. Okay. You're not under any obligation to provide your phone number to the other drivers. Not your licence number? No. Oh, just okay. The, it's quite clear in the road rule state name, address, and the details of the, the registration of the other vehicles involved. So what happens if one of those drivers, one of the parties, refuses to exchange details, that refuses to give you any details? Yeah. Call the police. That would yeah. be when you call in police. Yeah, and that, and that moves into the part where I would say the reasons why you would call police, again, yeah. if someone refuses to provide their details, mm-hmm. the other two reasons are if someone's injured as a result of the crash. Mm-hmm. Or if someone's affected by drugs or alcohol, or if you believe they're affected by drugs or alcohol, we can call the police and we will attend. Okay. What role do high visibility police operations and road safety campaigns play in reducing road accidents like RBTs and drug testing stations? Do you see a reduction in road incidents and driving offences during these operations or campaigns? A lot of these campaigns are revolved around public holidays and big national events and a lot of that is to put police on the side of the road. It's thought that people will see police out and about stopping drivers for breath tests, drug Mm. tests, um, high visibility to say if police are out and about, maybe I'll change my driving behaviour, maybe Mm. I will stick to the speed limit or just below. It's all about creating a visual deterrent that make people think police are out and about, yep, a bit of toe the line. So you do see the number of these kind of offences drop when there's these kind of high-vis operations happening? It it does play a part, I agree. Um, Again, during these times, often over school holidays and public holidays, there's an increase in traffic on the road from what you would normally see. Mm -hmm. So it does play a part, I would say yes. 
Yeah. So what is New South Wales Police doing to improve engagement with drivers and other road users to better drive home messages about road safety and compliance? Because it's all one thing to be on the road out there monitoring drivers for what they're doing, what they're not doing. But it's another thing to actually prevent rather than deal with the aftermath. So you need to be really innovative with your messaging and with your tactics and strategies that you're using to get the message across to people before they're actually committing the driving offences or getting into those serious crashes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, um, social media these days plays a, a massive part. And the uh, New South Wales Police Force Facebook page um, does get a lot of traffic. Uh, I think some it of the, does. The, the people working there are quite creative. That's trying to help promote a message while... Yeah. Um, it's quite popular. Obviously, the signs on the side of the road, advertising campaigns through the RMS, mm. Centre for Road Safety. How about like community engagement events and things like that where you're out and about with communities, with the people and just, you know, in an informal setting, a non-intimidating setting, yeah. <laughs> that you can, you know, talk to people to get the messaging across. There are times when um, the Highway Patrol will have uh, like, a, like a car show invite people along, mm-hmm. have a look at some nice cars, but also promote the uh, road safety ideas. Yeah. I think uh, I have to agree with you on the, the social media thing. I feel like a lot of people do engage because I monitor the page very closely and I find that people are engaging, you know, with police a lot more through social media. So I think social media has been an advantage and a very important tool in getting the messaging out. And especially if you're targeting younger drivers, because that's where they spend most of their time on social media. So it's it's a good tactic to use. Now, do you think passing the driver knowledge test is enough for drivers to develop a good understanding of all the road rules? Is it comprehensive enough in your opinion? Uh, It's a start. Mm -hmm. It would be impossible to test on all the road rules. There are so many. I think the, the knowledge test only captures a small portion of it. And, yeah. and I believe that as long as they capture the, the important things, that's the main thing. Yeah. Again, like your, your more obscure offences, like the U-turn at the yeah. traffic lights, again, probably not so important to know as a, as a novice driver, um, more for you, you've had a couple of years on the road. Yeah. As long as it drives home the main safety rules and messages for the younger drivers, I think that's important in the yeah. first stage of your, your driving career. Yeah. yeah. I can understand why it would be difficult to have an all-inclusive driver test because, like you said, the, the road rules are so many. But this is why I think a lot of people do things that they don't necessarily deem as being illegal, but thinking, if it was illegal, why didn't I learn about it in the driver test? And I think that might be one of those areas that does contribute to people unwittingly or unintentionally breaking the road rules. You're right, yeah. Um, it's a vast, it's in the hundreds, the amount of rules. Yeah. And then there's sub-rules, two-way rule. Yeah, there is a lot. Even for experienced drivers, like for those who did their driver knowledge test like 15, 20 years ago, how much of that information have you actually retained after 15, 20 years of driving? Yeah, the RMS run that and as long as they believe it, they've given people uh, enough to get them started. I think that's enough for the initial stage of of, um, driving. It's on a continuum. Driving is on a continuum where, you know, you need to develop certain skills as you drive on. The longer you're on the road, the longer you've been a driver, the more you're exposed to, the more you learn. That's right. And I wouldn't be objecting to a road knowledge test every time you renew your licence. Again, 
a refresher of your knowledge. Um, I think that's pretty important. Just things you might not have come across before and just um, a reminder of what to do and what you can't do. Yeah. Yeah. And what is New South Wales Police doing to make the community aware of periodic changes to road rules? Because from time to time, we do have new additions to the road rules. We have slight changes, amendments made to the road rules. You know, how does police get that message across? Or other organisations that work in collaboration with police work to get those messages across and really make sure that people are aware that there has been a change or an amendment? Because, again, that could be a reason why, oh, I didn't know. I've always known that the road rules were so-and-so. I didn't know that it changed. And you're right. The majority of the road rules haven't changed for quite some time. Mm. And I suppose as technology evolves, the rules will evolve with that, for an example. Again, the use of social media for any changes in road rules is, is used by the New South Wales Police Force. Yeah. Um, and then the Centre for Road Safety plays a big part of that um, in TV advertising, road safety campaigns. It's a combined effort. Yeah. To, um, the last really good um, campaign that was out there to inform people of a change in the road rules was the slow down to 40 around emergency vehicles. That was everywhere. It was billboards, radio, television, some of them not as out there. A lot of these changes do relate to a serious incident that may have happened mm. um, and that a change in the rules is required to, as a preventative measure to um, stop it from happening again. And that's in the case of the uh, slow down to 40 yeah. for emergency vehicles. Yeah, I do remember mm. that came after quite a nasty incident, yes, yep. unfortunately. New South Wales Police Traffic Sergeant Mick Todd, it's been a pleasure hosting you in our studio today. You've given us plenty of food for thought. Thank you for giving us your time. Nice. Thanks for having me. Thank you.